ready? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to Digging In with Missouri Farm Bureau. I'm Eric Bowl, Director of Public Affairs. Today, Spencer Toome is joining us because we have a couple of um, big political issues to go over uh, today. First of all, we're going to talk about some news that happened um, this week, a, an announcement by USDA that's going to really benefit a lot of Missouri farmers. Um, Spencer, thanks for joining us. And uh, what's the the big news that come, came out of D.C. this week? Well, it's great to be back. Thanks again for having me. Uh, big news coming out of Washington this week. USDA decided to move up the cover crop haying and grazing date on prevent plant acres. Um, so that date was previously November 1st. Um, now, according to USDA, they will allow haying and grazing on those prevent plant acres um, on September 1st, as it was previously established. So um, basically, this would um, change due to unforeseen weather challenges. Um, And so USDA has basically just said for this year only, instead of November 1st being the date, September 1st is being the date. And that's going to allow farmers and ranchers to access that cover crop forage earlier in the year. So hopefully they can um, get a little bit more use out of it. And that, I guess, an added benefit of this might be that it could help people get a winter wheat crop in for sure. uh, earlier as well. Is that right? Yeah, and that's one thing that Missouri Farm Bureau actually identified um, during our prevent plant planting decisions town hall that we hosted a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Missouri Farm Bureau State Board Member Andy Clay from Montauk County actually raised this issue. I know it's been raised in other states as well, um, but November 1st is really getting pretty late in the year to get your winter wheat crop in you know once you if november 1st is the date you can access that forage it obviously takes some time to get that um hayed or grazed so allowing farmers additional flexibility so they can hopefully get that crop in um, at the optimal time is going to be really really key for our our members right well that's uh, going to be very valuable for a lot of people that are having trouble this year so good news coming out of the usda and they don't have flexibility to change a lot of um, those dates, but this is one that they found that they were able to move a little bit. And they were clear in saying that this is a one-year thing, right? Yeah, this is definitely just at this time a one-year change uh, because of the extreme weather um, patterns that we've seen across the Midwest. They also announced a few other changes. Um, RMA, the Risk Management Agency, is also going to allow chopping for silage, haylage, and baleage under preventing prevent planting decisions. Um, So that's good news. Um, FSA is also going to be extending some of the prevented planting reporting deadlines. So be sure to check with your uh, county FSA office to see if you're eligible for that. And then also the Natural Resource Conservation Service will be holding um, a special EQIP sign-up through the Environmental Quality Incentives Program uh, to help you have cost share assistance for planting cover crops on impacted land. So a lot of good things in there. Um, USDA really, um, I think they use their authority wisely to mm-hmm. make those changes. Um, that's not going to be true. Um, these changes won't be in effect for everyone across the country, but because Missouri was heavily impacted, I anticipate they'll be eligible for most of those programs. Great. Well, I'm glad, like we say, that uh, they're really looking at the programs to see where they can find some um, ability to help. Yeah, for sure. Good deal. Well, as I mentioned at the top of the show, there is a lot going on in the political world in the next uh, few days. And what we're referring to is the first presidential uh, primary debates in the Democratic Party are going to be happening. So that is going to be quite, um, I don't know, I guess it depends on your perspective, a lot of fun or a circus because of the way that it's organized. They have 20 candidates who are Mm -hmm. going to be participating, but they split it into two separate nights. 
um, 10 on one night, 10 on the next night. And I think it was kind of randomly chosen. Mm -hmm. Um, But what we thought would be um, interesting to do in the uh, lead up to those is talk a little bit about their agricultural uh, policy backgrounds and and what what they've said publicly on those um, ag policy issues. Because a lot of the the topics that have been discussed so far among the the twenty candidates, actually, there's what like twenty four total. And a few people some, got left off the stage. Something like that. There's a lot. <laughs> it depends on who you're counting <laughs> too, because some of them, um, you know, there's actually hundreds if you really look at it. But um, so the uh, but these people, a lot of their discussions have been uh, more about more urban focused issues mm-hmm. or um, social issues. Uh, rather than ag policy. But a lot of them do have voting records and long backgrounds in legislatures or um, executive functions where we we are able to see a little bit about how they see farming. So um, let's jump into that. Um, who do you want to talk about first? Well, um, let's just start at what I would consider to be the top of the ticket. So mm-hmm. um, I think at this point, according to polling, the clear front runner in the Democratic primary is Joe Biden, former right. vice president. So, yeah. And all the polling seems very consistent on that. He's far and away leading the pack. That doesn't mean mm-hmm. anything necessarily because we saw about 10 different people lead the Republican pack in 2016, right. um, have their moment in the sun. But um, he definitely has been consistently the strongest one so far. For sure. Former Vice President Biden kind of jumped into the race a lot later than some of the other candidates. Um, that probably doesn't hurt him, to be quite honest, because he has so much name ID. Um, I just took a quick look at his website and did a little research on kind of his background on ag issues. Uh, it looks like when he was in Congress, he did previously support the farm bill and thought that that was generally a pretty good compromise between some issues. Um, also had a pretty strong record on trying to combat invasive species, so invest, invest, invasive excuse me, pests and also plants, mm-hmm. um, trying to put together measures that would restrict imports of things that would be considered invasive if they came to the U.S., Um, He has also been very outspoken, as have many of the other candidates, against President Trump's trade policies. And I think, generally speaking, we're going to see that as a very common theme throughout the entire Democratic um, run for president, whoever the ultimate nominee is. That's how they're going to message agriculture issues. They're going to focus on trade. At least that's my prediction. Yeah, I think that's totally accurate. It seems like if we're going to hear anything about farmers, it's going to be in reference to uh, President Trump's trade policy, mm-hmm. basically. Absolutely. Who who next? You pick the next um, one. Let's see. I am going to let's. So uh, the polling would indicate, I believe, that the next two people are probably uh, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren in okay. one order or the other. Let's try uh, Bernie Sanders. That's an interesting guy with a very long background from Vermont and. Um, you know, that is actually a fairly agricultural state, although it's mm-hmm. about as left-leaning of an agricultural state or of any state as you'll find. Certainly. So Bernie Sanders is back after his um, initial run in 2016. Obviously, he had a lot of support um, in the Democratic primary, but ultimately did lose to uh, Secretary Clinton in 2016. 
Um, you did mention he's from Vermont, and I think that's really interesting. A couple of years ago, Farm Bureau was really engaged on a nationwide GMO labeling bill, right. and that was basically started by the state of Vermont. Mm-hmm. They had kind of the first GMO labeling bill in their state. Many other states started picking that up, and then ultimately it became a national issue. So um, he is on record, um, has been a big proponent of GMO labeling, um, again, representing the first state in the union to call for mandatory labeling. Um, He's also called for a moratorium on mergers of agricultural corporations. So I think um, a lot about the recent Bayer-Monsanto merger. He would not have been in favor of that sort of thing Mm -hmm. um, and has been pretty vocal about that. Um, Also, he's made a few statements um, in the past just about ethanol. Um, I think that in general he's pretty supportive of the RFS and supports more renewable energy, and he sees ethanol as a way to bring that message through in the agriculture community. So mm-hmm. it's on record of supporting um, of supporting ethanol as well. Yeah, and he is such an interesting enigma of a character because he his positions don't always fully align with the socialist mindset that he um, that he portrays. You know, he um, and that's self-identified. That's what he calls himself. I'm mm-hmm. not using that as a, a negative uh, term to denigrate him. He claims to be a socialist, but yeah. he um, he sometimes takes positions that um, are beneficial to Vermont that um, people in other states that are, you know, more ideologically aligned would think wouldn't fit with his uh, his socialist ideology. So mm-hmm. I think that those can often show up in agricultural issues. And it's also a very big dairy state. So um, I know that his positions on dairy are a little bit different than maybe some other members uh, that would identify as democratic socialists or socialists. So sure. Interesting absolutely. stuff. It's interesting you mentioned Elizabeth Warren, and that's who, kind of who mm-hmm. I want to go to next as well. Um, she actually has had some very strong language on undoing major ag corporation mergers. Yeah. Um, that's actually been one of her kind of platform issues, at least in the agricultural space. That's really interesting that those two are kind of polling around the same place in the right, lineup so right. far um, because their messaging on some of these issues is very, very similar. Um, I did see, obviously, um, flooding along the Missouri and Mississippi rivers has been really um, really a big issue, obviously, in our state recently. Um, Senator Warren did come out in support of the disaster relief package. She said, we must pass disaster relief to help anyone who's been hit by a natural disaster, and then did proceed to vote against that bill the first time it came to Mm -hmm. the Senate floor. Um, Could have been a political move, probably was, quite (laughs) frankly. Most likely was a political move. For about the next 18 months, about any vote these guys take is a political move. Right, absolutely. Um, She is on record. Um, The reason she says she voted against it is because she wanted more financial assistance for Puerto Rico, which we did see as a very Mm. controversial partisan issue. Right. Um, But, yeah, interesting to me that Warren and Sanders have a lot of really similar messaging on agriculture issues, especially when it comes to mergers. Yeah, definitely so. All right. So going back to our list, um, the the polling really does drop off after those three and get us to the point where everybody's sort of clumped together in a pack. So um, let's go towards the West Coast this time and talk about Kim, uh, Kamala Harris. Okay. Or Kamala Harris? I think I can't it's remember. Kamala. Okay. I actually talked to somebody from California the other day, and they said Kamala. Okay. So I'm going with that. That sounds good to me. <laughs> I've heard, you know, it's one of those things where I've heard people say, okay, I've, I've been told by their campaign 
this is the right way to say it, which just makes me forget right. the right way. <laughs> I can never keep it straight after For that, sure. So. We're going to go with Kamala until we're told differently. Sounds good. So what's her background on ag? So, of course, California. I think her background as a California senator is really important in shaping her agricultural priorities. Um, senator Harris has been on record in very large support of ag labor reform and immigration reform overall. Mm -hmm. California has a very large migrant worker population. And so she um, has introduced a couple of bills. Um, it's called the Fairness for Farm Workers Act. Um, basically, that extends, addi extends additional protections to migrant workers who are working in the U.S. Um, she also did, um, we talked about trade policies and, of course, has been critical of President Trump's tariff situation. But um, she did push for increased trade promotion funding in the 2018 Farm Bill. Um, so she did vote for that final bill. There were some other things in the bill that she did not support, um, but did, you know, increase or, or promote pushing for increased trade promotion funding. So that's that's something positive on the trade front. Right. Um, but I do think her um, passion for immigration issues really shapes her view of ag policy in the United States. Sure. And immigration is obviously such a big issue in California. But also, um, sometimes we forget in the Midwest because we think so much of farming as a row crop and, and livestock business. Um, we forget that California is the number one ag state in, in the nation uh -huh. by, by value because of the Central Valley and all the vegetables and fruits, and they grow pretty much everything there. Mm -hmm. Number one dairy state in the nation. So right. she definitely has um, a lot of experience dealing with that policy. It just is in a very different sense than we deal with it here in the Midwest. For um, sure. So let's move on to um, the, uh, a different regional uh, area is uh, Amy Klobuchar. Uh-huh. She um, also has a bit of a difference in... I guess personality and approach. She seems for sure to uh, to have a, a different presentation mm -hmm. um, than some of the more aggressive members uh, that are running. Uh, what's her background look like? So Senator Klobuchar, I think she, from what I have read and also what I just know about her from working on ag issues in Washington, she's probably the person out of this entire field of Democratic candidates who has the most ag policy experience. I yeah. mean, she's a senator from Minnesota. She's on the Senate Ag Committee, um, helped write the 2018 Farm Bill. She really does have a lot of institutional knowledge in that regard. Um, she has a lot of... Um, stances about breaking up agricultural monopolies and, and all of that similar language. Um, she has mentioned um, that if she does win the presidency, she intends to sign the United States back into the International Climate Agreement. Mm -hmm. um, so that's obviously a pretty strong stance for a senator to take. Um, she has also made a lot of um, positive statements about ethanol as well. A lot of these candidates, I keep mentioning eth ethanol, and the reason why is a lot of these candidates have been to Iowa yeah. recently. Um, I wonder why. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, obviously, whenever they go to Iowa, they think it's a great time to talk about ethanol. Um, but she has um, had a lot of positive remarks about the renewable fuel standard. Minnesota, the, her home state, is actually fourth in ethanol production. Yeah. Um, so that's an issue she's very familiar with, not just because she went to Iowa. Right. So. I was going to say, that's um, when you look at all the, the ag statistics, it is pretty um, impressive, all the, um, the, the high rankings that Minnesota has in yeah. a lot of different things that I just didn't realize. It has a lot of wide open flat spaces that, that are pretty productive. So. I think it'll be really interesting for me. Like I said, to me, she's the candidate with 
the most ag policy experience, maybe not the most ag experience overall, um, but it's interesting to me. So she's from Minnesota, obviously Congressman Colin Peterson, chairman right. of the House Ag Committee, also from Minnesota, also a Democrat, not running, but it'll be interesting to see who the kind of House or Senate ag Democrats throw their support behind. And, right. and I have a feeling it could be Senator Klobuchar because of her relationship with Chairman Peterson. But that's pure speculation. Yeah, and that would make a lot of sense. And like you mentioned, the the proximity that she has to Iowa being from Minnesota is is seen somewhat as a home field advantage for her mm-hmm. in that first caucus. For so. sure. Uh, let's move to someone, oh, the first person that um, we're going to talk about that isn't currently in an elected position, it, well, in, in the, on the national stage at least, is uh, Pete Buttigieg. Um, he is uh, the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, and really kind of came out of nowhere, maybe even belonged higher on our list because he's been polling extremely well yeah. um, and really made a, a, a splash. He's seen as sort of the more the, the intellectual type. Mm-hmm. The uh, um, has He's a Rhodes Scholar, I think, has yeah. a, a very strong background in um, his, uh, his home city there in South Bend. What is his experience with agriculture? So I've been reading a little a lot about Mayor Pete, as everybody calls him, because his <laughs> last easier. name his last name's super hard to yes. pronounce, and you look at it and you're like, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure how to say that. Right. Anyway, but I think you did a wonderful job. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, Mayor Pete has a lot of really interesting positions on climate change. That's actually one of his core issues mm-hmm. that he really. Um, really likes to message. Um, he does support the concept of the Green New Deal and has been on record of statements of support of that um, climate package introduced by New York Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, which mm-hmm. she has obviously been in the news quite a bit here recently. Yeah, we've heard about her. Um, just a little bit. <laughs> um, also, you know, it looks like he has had some past interactions with groups like the Sierra Club and other in- environmental groups. Um, not a lot listed on his website or from what I could find on his specific positions on agricultural issues. So Mm -hmm. that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, I think it's important to talk about a lot of times these candidates maybe just aren't familiar with agricultural issues at all. And maybe we should look at that as an opportunity to help kind of frame their thinking Mm -hmm. around it. Um, But compared to the other candidates, he has very little agricultural experience from what I can gather. Yeah, well, and it is interesting. You do see different approaches by different um, campaigns where some of them um, deliberately have kind of the blank slate, don't really take many strong positions, mm-hmm. don't put much information on their website and, and by way of their positions. And then some of the others, like especially the one that's been in the news lately, is Elizabeth Warren, um, has come heavily out on the policy side. She's putting out a full white paper every week to yeah. say, you know, what her plan is for a, you know, A, B, or C. And that's where she's started to get more traction again is by saying, I'm the person with the plan. Yeah. Um, she's got a plan for that, I think, is her little catchphrase. That's so. a really interesting point about Senator Warren compared to some of the other candidates. We hear it's already starting, right? We're hearing all this rhetoric about how I can do a better job than the current president right. or the re- I maybe I should politically correctly say Republican nominee, right. although we have a pretty good idea of who yes. that's going to be. Um, Senator Warren actually is the person, like you said, who has put out a lot of pretty concrete ideas. Mm-hmm. They may be ideas that we agree or disagree with, um, but at least she's putting out some some substance. Yeah. Um, a lot of the other candidates at this point, it's just rhetoric. So. Well, and on that note, let's turn to the person who's most famous for having very little 
of that concrete substance, which would be Beto O'Rourke. <laughs> I see you were already ready to mark him <laughs> off your list when I started saying that. Yes. Um, that is uh, really what he's become. Uh, he's It's been surprising just how much of a nosedive he took from when he got in the race. Cause, that would be an understatement. Yeah, <laughs> a couple of years ago when he ran against Ted Cruz, he was the darling of the left and Got what thirty seven million dollars in one quarter uh-huh. uh, running for a Senate. I think that was the most um, in, any yeah most expensive history. Senate race. In, yeah. yeah, in US it was history, massive uh, support. But and he still lost. Yeah, he still lost um, by what like four points or so. Mm-hmm. So it was close, but not close enough. Close, <laughs> it's not horseshoes or nor hand grenades. Right. Um, but he uh, some of that shine wore off when it uh, went more to the national stage against. Other people who have big followings, he's no longer running against the um, demon of uh, the the left, the Ted Cruz, who everybody on the left wanted to take out so mm-hmm. badly. Um, now he's running against people they like, right? And it seemed to have just com- <laughs> evaporate his support. But part of what people blame that on is the fact that he seemed to have no actual positions on most of the topics. He he would come out and actually say in his um, public appearances. What do you want me to believe? You know, what do you want me to support? Right. Let me know, and I'll I'll do it. I'll do. Yeah. Like, well, okay, <laughs> it's not a real strong stance. So, what says? Uh, has he said anything concrete so on agriculture? Overall, um, he has not made a lot of statements about ag policy, but he did serve in Congress for a while, so we have right. a little bit of idea of his voting record on ag issues. Um, so he did vote against the House version of the 2018 Farm Bill. Um, Again, if we go back to the farm bill debate, a lot of that was over nutrition. Um, The SNAP program, Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, is a very hot-button issue for Democratic candidates for president and Democrats Mm -hmm. in general. Um, That's a kind of a a hot-button issue, and that's one of the reasons the House farm bill failed the first time. So it looks like he did vote against that. Um, But he did support provisions in the bill to reauthorize programs supporting farmers facing low commodity prices. Um, And so he did end up supporting the final version of the bill. So um, but throughout his time in Congress, uh, he pushed to fund industrial hemp research and animal abuse and also was a strong supporter of country of origin labeling as long as it was in compliance with our trade partners. So um, those are a couple issues that he is has a voting record on. Mm -hmm. And so because he hasn't said much publicly, it's a little bit hard to know exactly where he stands. Um, but the votes are a fairly good indication. Yeah, it's about what we have to go on. Yeah. Well, um, back to our list. We have a couple more on it. And these are people who have definitely taken um, uh, even more of a nosedive, I would mm-hmm. say, than Mr. O'Rourke. Because at least he's polling in the single digits and mid-single digits. Um, Cory Booker is one that has had so much uh, hype over the past few years. And some people have um, said he was, you know, the next Obama and comes from New Jersey and had you know, a, a history as a mayor there mm-hmm. and did a, a lot of things that got caught national attention. But during his time in the presidential race so far, hasn't seemed to catch a lot of traction yet. Yeah. What's uh, what's his track record look like on, on ag issues? So the track record on issues that Farm Bureau supports, I'll be quite honest with you, is just not very good. Um, <laughs> not surprising. I'm just, I'm kind of looking through some, some materials here. Um, he has been a New Jersey senator since 2013, has intrap- introduced legislation multiple times that are opposed by animal agriculture groups but supported by the Humane Society Legislative Fund. Um, as Farm Bureau, that's a huge red flag um, whenever any candidate is pushing legislation that's outwardly supported by the Humane Society of the right. United States. Um, interesting fact, and this is um, something I learned as I was doing research on the candidates, Cory Booker is the only candidate 
in the field that is outwardly vegan and very Mm -hmm. um, generally anti animal agriculture. He uses a lot of words like factory farming, that sort of thing, mm-hmm. um, because of its environmental impact. So that's yeah. his reasoning for that. So um, he also, you know, just in the Senate, based on Farm Bureau's key positions, he's just not not been a very strong supporter. I, yeah. I don't have very much to add. Maybe other a strong than opponent that. might be. Strong, strong opponent yeah, would be. Positions. I think that would be... Um, that would be very fair. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't think, uh, based on the polling, it doesn't look like we're likely to have to worry too much about that. Uh, the other last one that we'll touch on, which I find really interesting, um, because she came to this with so much hype and a lot of people saw her as one of the top contenders, was Kristen Gillibrand from New York, senator from New York. She, uh, like I say, was seen as someone who could really make make some waves. She's relatively young. Um, she's uh, female. She's served in one of the largest um, in in the Senate from one of the largest states in the nation with a ton of money and Democratic support and is currently pulling at zero percent, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty sad. <laughs> That's about as bad as you can get, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, Kristen Gillibrand, one of the things that people have criticized about her is that, again, she's had those shifting positions. Mm-hmm. Um, she hasn't seemed to stand for much. And whatever she does stand for, it seems to change depending on the audience, audience she's in front of. Uh-huh. Um, what has she been saying, though, about agriculture? So Senator Gillibrand is also on the Senate Agriculture Committee, like Senator Klobuchar, um, but I think would could be described as decidedly has a lot less ag experience. She's mm-hmm. a senator from New York. A um, couple of things she said recently, um, she's had a very hardline stance on climate change and is a big supporter of the Green New Deal, as I mentioned some others are earlier. Um, basically, her... Um, her view is that climate change is the greatest threat to humanity. I believe those are her exact words, yeah. um, greatest threat to humanity. So um, it was interesting. A couple of months ago, or may have been last month, I traveled up to Iowa for a Senate Environment and Public Works Committee field hearing. Um, Senator Gillibrand, in addition to serving on the Ag Committee, serves on e- the EPW Committee, as mm-hmm. we call it. Um, and the hearing was hosted by Iowa Senator Joni Ernst, um, talking about the recent flooding along the Missouri River. And um, every every senator who was there kind of opened with their remarks. It was Senator Ernst and Senator Grassley was there, Senator Moran from Kansas. Senator Gillibrand made the trip out, um, and her remarks largely focused on that climate change was the sole reason that the Missouri River flooded this year. So uh-huh. that was a really interesting statement. Um, obviously, she had some supporters in the room because there was some applause mm-hmm. when she said that. Um, but that, I thought that was a really interesting um venue to make Mm -hmm. that point known. Um, Everybody else was really there to talk about disaster relief funding and how can we work towards recovery um, and how can we work on management of the river. Um, There was was none of that in her remarks. It was all about climate change. Well, that's uh, like I say, probably she isn't going to be the one to worry about in the the general election either due to her her lack of support nationwide. Mm -hmm. Just has not seemed to catch on. She has relaunched her campaign and didn't seem to help. So um, it'll be interesting to see, honestly, which of these end up dropping uh, out of the race mm-hmm. once this uh, first first debate gets behind us. And as I mentioned, I mean, there are 20 people that are going to be on that stage. I think we've talked about, what, like eight or nine eight, of them? Yeah, nine. So yeah. Um, that's not even half of the people who are going to be uh, on that stage. I think this is going to start to narrow down mm-hmm. uh, as people uh, realize there isn't a path to victory. But uh, it will be interesting to watch um, next week. We'll be tuning in and trying to listen for ag issues uh, debated on the uh, on that stage 
Um, anything else that we need to be uh, watching out for as we tune into these debates? I just think there's a lot There's a lot that can happen, and I think it's important to remember this. There's a lot that can happen between now and November 2020. Uh, we were kind of going by who's ranking highest in the mm-hmm. polls. Um, that all could change very quickly. Sure. Um, it Somebody might be at the bottom now, and it may be not as likely that they rise to the top. Um, but I think also it's a fair point to be made that the people at the top, the only way they can go is down. Yeah. So um, it'll be really interesting to see how this first round of debates kind of impacts that polling. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if any ag issues are discussed. I remember in 2016, I was working on Congresswoman Hartzler's campaign, and I was watching the debates, and I was so excited when they talked about the WOTUS rule. <laughs> it was like the one shining moment right. for agriculture policy in the debate, but I was so, so thrilled. So those moments maybe don't happen very often, um, but there are um, there is a lot of merit to asking those questions in, on those large-scale stages. Yeah, you're right, and we do still have, what, six or seven months at least, maybe seven or eight months, until the first votes are cast. And, yeah. oh my gosh, anything can happen Yeah. Um, between now and then. So it'll definitely be interesting to watch. Well, thanks again for uh, joining us and um, taking the time to go over all these and look forward to seeing what happens once they actually get going. All right, sounds good. We'll see you next week. Thanks.